This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, the podcast where just like puppets, we don't mind having a hand up our ass. hey I'm your co-host, Alice Vaughn, and with me, I have my beautiful, charming, witty, voluptuous guest host, Natalia Reagan. Hello. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I feel bad that you can't even see me, My all this voluptuousness. Voluminosity. Thanks for having me. Well, it's always a pleasure. Talking about my favorite thing, a hand up my ass. I mean, this show is going to get into fisting very quickly. Um, Yes. More than other episodes I've been on. (laughs) (laughs) My friend is a performance artist, and once she said she went to this performance art show in Berkeley, and one of the art pieces was called It's Not Easy Being Green, and out came this performance artist who was painted green, like Kermit the Frog with the little um, thing around her neck. And then out came a man who lubed up his hand and just fisted her in front of the crowd. And then she sang, it's not easy being green. And that was the entire piece. And apparently it went over oh very well. Oh my God. While being fisted? Yes, while being fisted. Wow. Yeah. How the, ah. Wait, to clarify, ah. she was being fisted and- I wasn't there. This is secondhand information. But from what I understood- she came out painted green as if she was Kermit the Frog. And then a man came out, I think dressed like Jim Henson, like with the full beard and everything, like in a 1970s turtleneck. And he looped oh. up his hand and he fisted her. And then she sang, It's Not Easy Being Green. Not, oh, my God. And that was their performance piece for this performance art show. If you are the performance artist who does this or should <laughs> do this, email yes. us, info at twogirlsonmike.com. We, we need to see it. All great art disturbs and provokes. Absolutely. So, who are we to decide? Mm-hmm. And that third voice that's joining us today with this enlightening story is director Todd Berger, who's also the screenwriter of The Happy Time Murders, which is completely on par with what we're talking about with puppets because yes. it's a puppet buddy cop film. It's the most expensive R-rated puppet film ever made, I would guess. And really, the movie we'll be discussing today is the first. So it's really a cycle that we're completing here today on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, it goes a step further. I, it's X-rated material, so uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I saw so many puppet dicks. I'm due for some therapy sessions, or I'll be in my bunk. I did wonder though, as I was watching it, if it came out in a theater today, would it be rated R? Like, was there anything in it? Because it was simulated puppet sex, but there wasn't actual like human. Like, what about it? I feel like today in 2019, what would it be rated if that movie was yeah. released in theaters today? Well, Team America World Police. Um, there you go. What rating did they get? They got an R. Okay, so it would get an R. Right. But was there puppet penetration in Team America? I don't remember. It's been a while. There was a lot of it in there this There was film. so much. There was there was too much, really. I definitely felt like it touched on things. Well, there was some human puppet interplay, but never a real there intercourse. Was. But and no. I don't think we even really saw a full... Bush or vagine of a female woman. It was kind of implied. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So before we get really into the film, so Let My Puppets Come, you mentioned in an email (laughs) that it was an inspiration for the Happy Time Murders. All right. Tell us the backstory. Long story short, when I was in college, I had a classmate uh, named D. Austin Robertson. It was time to do a, a film for class. So we wanted to do something with puppets because we were both a big fan of Meet the Feebles, the mm. a Peter Jackson puppet horror movie yes. from the 80s. And so we did this like puppet short film. And while we were researching it, we were trying to find all of like the naughtiest R-rated puppet stuff we could find. And there was this video store in Austin uh, called Vulcan Video. I'm not sure if it's there anymore. I don't think it is. But they had like a weird section. And in it, they had this movie, Let My Puppets Come. And we're like, what is this? So we rented it. And I didn't realize it until watching the movie yesterday that what I saw was the 45-minute version. I had not seen the extended original hour and 15-minute version that I watched yesterday That you, for the link you sent me. So we watched it as kind of like inspiration as we were making this student film. So we make the student film, which is about a puppet that represents alcoholism that's like haunting. It's a comedy that's haunting this guy who's trying to quit <laughs> drinking. And it's actually available online. You can watch. It's called Manifest Destiny. Just Google, like, my name or Happy Time Murders and Manifest Destiny. You can find it. The Hollywood Reporter did a whole story on it last year. And then Dee and I moved to L.A., and we had so much success with our dumb short film that we got together and wrote a feature 
that we wanted to do an R-rated feature. And we wrote, we came up with the idea for the Happy Time Murders. And so we came up with all the characters in the story. And then I wrote the script. And then the script, uh, years later, got in the hands of the Henson Company, which developed it for 10 years. And then in 2017, Melissa McCarthy came on board and they went and made the movie for $45 million. <laughs> and it all originated from us like getting stoned in our dorm room saying like, wouldn't it be funny to do a naughty puppet movie? Let My Puppets Come was part of our process of how it all came together. So first off, I saw The Happy Time Murders yesterday. Oh, excellent. Okay, so for our audience, if you've ever wanted to see a film that had multiple scenes of drug snorting, depraved puppet sex, a drawn out puppet ejaculation mm, scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have something for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, if you're a listener of the show, you will love this movie. Why would you not? Yeah. Why would you not want to see it? And that it also begs the question. I mean, Happy Time Murders is rated R. Well, there is, I guess, puppet ejaculation in Let My Puppets Come, but there's a lot more of it in the Happy Time Murders. And at no point did anyone bring up an X rating or NC-17 rating for the Happy Time Murders. But yeah, check it out. It's a fun watch. Um, a lot of people apparently brought their children to see it when it was in the theater. because no. they didn't. Yeah, I saw on Twitter, like a lot of people <gasps> were just like, it's puppets. I don't know what this is. All I know is Melissa time. McCarthy. It's Melissa McCarthy and a puppet. And it's called the Happy Time Murders. But they brought their children into it anyway. So a lot of people on Twitter were like, oh my God, I'm in a theater right now. And someone just brought in their five-year-old. And then... They quickly left or didn't, you know, there are all kinds of parents. Forget this, getting the birds and the bees talk. It's like, exactly. here you go. Learn yeah, from the, uh, the the puppet lovemaking on screen, if that's what we can call it. But yeah, check it out. It's available. Well, Todd and I met, I don't know, 2008, 2009. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when you were making videos for Google. And I remember, because I, I love puppets and I had a puppet idea. And I remember you first told me about Happy Time Murders. I remember sitting in a, in a bar, I think in Atwater Village. And you were just like, I don't know. I just want to get this thing made. And yeah. it just, I mean, talk about perseverance, like going from smoking weed and in your dorm room to a $45 million film. Like we had already been working on it for four or five years when we had that conversation in 2008. Yeah. And we're like, is this movie ever going to get made? And it got made 10 years later. See? I mean, it's so unabashingly silly, unapologetically foul, full of puns. I mean, you could tell there's at least 10 years worth of puns in there. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you can tell we wrote it 10 years ago because, uh, residuals for syndication rights is a major plot point of the movie, which uh, I don't know if, we'd, if we wrote it in 2019, it would still be a plot point. I don't know if residuals for syndi- television syndication is really that big of a thing anymore. Now it would be about like streaming rights to Netflix or something. Yes, absolutely. Like in, or influencers not getting yes. free food. Yeah, that would exactly. be like, you know, oh my God, I had to pay my full price for my rainbow bagel. Yeah, which is a thing now. <laughs> After they fucked the bagel, of course, because that's to stay in the theme. So yeah, so I threw it out to you just to be like, because I didn't know if you guys had a puppet porn movie in mind, but I threw it out to you just because I knew of its existence and I'd seen it 20 years ago. And now that I rewatched it, all I'm going to say is you're welcome, guys. You, oh, what a my treat. God. What a treat for everyone. An hour and 15 minutes of pure sunshine and puppet ejaculation. I just, I've never, I don't, the writing is so good. The acting is the best I've ever seen in any pornographic film. It was like absolutely terrible and amazing at the same time. Yes. And then I actually like deep dived and read more about it. Because all I remember was like, oh, it's a porn movie with puppets in it. But then I went and deep dived and I read more about it. And it was made by like the pioneers of the adult film industry at the time, like the guy who made Deep Throat and The Devil and Mrs. Jones. Yeah. yeah. And it has cameos from all these big, like, people in the porn community. And they clearly spent a lot of time and money and effort on this. And the songs in it are, like, actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. The lyrics are fantastic in some of yeah. these songs. Well, what's insane is, as you were mentioning the cameos, I was looking at the actors and the different people who were in it, and I... I'm looking and I'm like, okay, so first off, you have the director, you know, same guy who wrote Deep Throat, who pops up in the beginning, you know, as a hot dog vendor. And then you see Jonathan Freeman, who becomes the future voice of Jafar in the film. (laughs) There you go. You have Richard Lyon, uh, who worked on this, one of the operators of Big Bird. Also, he designed the puppets for Avenue Q and was a lead puppeteer for the first season of Cranky Anchors. Wow. 
You had Pam Areccio, who uh, puppeteer voiceover artist. She was Oscar DeGrouch's girlfriend, uh, Grangetta. Oh, yeah. Grangetta. And, oh, weirdest cameo of them all, David Roth, American magician, <laughs> who's famous for a sleight of hand and coin, never did any magic in the film at all, yeah, but yeah. was in it. It's and, and, like, I forgot... Well, first of all, like the puppeteering is pretty impressive. Yep. When I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is must be that the Muppet Show was so popular at the time that they were inspired. No, this is before the Muppet Show. This was six months or something before the P- Muppet Show even premiered. Yep. So clearly these people all just got together in 1976 or 75, whenever it was, and they're like, let's do a naughty movie about puppets. I forgot, like, a human being does not appear other than the opening bit with the hot dogs, like, a human being does not appear for 45 minutes, like, into the movie. It's about puppets. Yeah. And the song, like, the opening songs, I don't know, like... Bear in mind, also, Sesame Street had been out since 1969. This is true. This is true. Yeah, but I feel like, I mean, even Jim Henson's early days in commercial work, like, his old commercials used a lot of puppets. And he made yeah. even the, the film Timepiece that he made, which is a fantastic film that anybody has a chance to watch it, you know, has nudity in it. So it's like, even Jim Henson was not this pure, sort right. of puritanical type, you know, him... I I mean, look at Frank Oz. I mean, he's... Well, working with Brian Henson on the Happy Time Murders, mm-hmm. he would tell these stories about how, you know, when because he worked with his father and a lot of the fun they had on set when they were making Muppet productions was that in between takes, the puppeteers would stay in character and like get really blue and do dirty jokes and have like improv scenes with each other. That was always like really fun for the puppeteers because they were doing this children's programming. And that was one of the things that got him really excited about doing the happy time murders. And every puppeteer who worked on the happy time murders was very excited to do that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, these, there was, these were like normal people who had normal senses of humor. And to me, it was just a fascinating watch of, it's 1975. These are like the titans of the adult film industry. The Devil and Mrs. Jones in 1973, I guess, had was the seventh highest grossing movie in America. Jesus. Like of all movies. Uh-huh. And this is what they decided to make in 1975 <laughs> of, of this movie. And it's so bizarre to think, I don't know who was going to the theaters to see these movies. I guess everyone in 1975. But like this was the new hot release in Times Square was Let My Puppets Come. And everyone went and saw this movie opening weekend. And I'm like, God, to be in that crowd, it must have been amazing. Oh, my gosh. If there are any listeners that have actually gone, that actually were there to go see it in 1976, please, please write in. Like, you actually, like, sought it out, please. Now, I have to know, you mentioned that people do dirty jokes, obviously, when they're playing with their puppets, Muppets. What is the distinction between a puppet and Muppet? A Muppet is technically the specific show because even like the puppets that are in Happy Time Murders are not Muppets. We had to be very clear about that uh-huh. from the Disney legal department. I remember that. <laughs> the Muppets are purely the puppets that were on The Muppet Show. So even Sesame Street puppets aren't Muppets. Muppets are purely Kermit and Miss Piggy and Fozzie Bear and those guys. Ah, well, and also I'm wondering, because I know that Jim Henson, and Natalia and I once talked about this before, because Jim Henson once bought MuppetFucker.net, uh, <laughs> Yes. And I know that Disney, you know, took over Jim Henson's company. Does Brian have any claim to MuppetFucker.net? And can we negotiate the rights to it? Because we're totally down. We're into it. We're, we're definitely interested. <laughs> I'll shoot him an email. Interested. I'll find out. Please do. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm pretty sure, yeah, like Disney goes in and buys every naughty version and just to like own it, just so no one else can. So I'd be I'd be curious to know why he bought that. I'll find out. I'll find out for you guys. I'll report back. Kermitcumshots.com. <laughs> right. A good friend of mine writes for the roast. And um I really, 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 really would love to see a Muppet roast. Oh my you know, god. Miss Piggy come out on a spit, you know, everybody come in, you know, <laughs> Waldorf and Statler there heckling away. I mean, it could just be a wealth of, of humor and, and so many fisting jokes. Just like, I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know. BBP, big, beautiful pigs. They just need a, like a vat of lube and everybody just dips their hand in and, you know, I think. It's- we'll see. <laughs> Our dreams might come true. You know what? Can you add that in a PS to Brian Henson? <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm on it. Uh, PS, uh, Muppet Roast. Muppet roast. Mm-hmm. Put Piggy on a spit. Let's do it. Spit or stick. I mean, so yeah. Yes. When you watched this film, Todd, the first time, were you high? 
I mean, I must have been, right? It was yeah. probably. Prob- I can't, I can make no promises, but probably. That's all I'm going to say. How high do you think the filmmakers were when they made this? I don't know. It's There's a lot of artistry and craftsmanship. And also the jokes were like, there were some real groaners. There, there were a lot of the jokes were like, this movie was written by people who aren't very funny, but they're trying. There were a lot of like really... I laughed out loud several times, though. There were some deep, like, film references. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, obscure film references uh, that I was like, oh, wow. But then some of the jokes were just so dumb that you kind of had to appreciate it. For our audience, to give you guys an overview of Let My Puppets Come, Mm. it's a musical comedy featuring a cast of puppets performing sexual acts on each other and singing show tunes. Uh, There are a couple of human characters that don't participate in any of the sex scenes. And the plot is, I mean, to really give the elevator pitch, you have a mob boss that's owed a half a million dollars that has to be paid within 24 hours and a group of brothers that has to come up with an idea and they settle on, well, let's make a porn. Yeah. They Zach and married it. Yeah. Yeah. And what I really appreciated was that the premise of the movie is explained in song in the first three minutes. Like there are these three brothers that, I wrote down the name of it, the... Uh, Brothers Unlimited. The song is really catchy. The Creative Concept System Procedures Brothers Unlimited, mm-hmm. Inc. They explain through song <laughs> that this company owes half a million dollars to this mobster and they need to come up with it immediately. And then that's when they're the the messenger, who, I don't know, the, the delivery guy suggests that they the make a The telegram guy. Well, well, first of all, we kind of skipped over the amazing... 20-minute opening title sequence. With all those characters and those names, like Clitoris Leachman, I'm never going <laughs> to... Yeah. Clitoris Leachman, I wonder if Cloris, because she's a dirty bird, and I wonder if she <laughs> knows that she has her own character. But Every puppet in the movie has a fake actor playing that puppet, and all of them have ridiculous names. I highly recommend you check it out. My favorite was Aristotle Molasses, which isn't even yes. dirty, I don't think, but I just kind of <laughs> like it. Like, I might name my next dog Aristotle Molasses. Was that supposed to be Anassis? I think it's supposed to be a play on Aristotle Onassis, but Molasses, unless I'm missing something, not very dirty. Very sticky? I don't know. Yeah, it's It's kind of a cute, it's kind of like a a My Little Pony would be named Aristotle Molasses. Right. (laughs) Clark Gobble. Peter Erection. Oh, that was good. Antonio Vasectomy. Uh, Roberto Vassellini, I really appreciated. The Fabulous Cunts. Yes. Agnes Moorhead was good. Agnes Moorhead. Connie Lingus. My favorite, Diana Boss Mm. playing her character, the black girl, was just her character's name. Yes. That token that made me sad for a moment. I was like, no, no, no. I'm uh, Natalia, 70s. Natalia, 70s. I know. It was a different time. Yes. uh, There are a couple things in the movie. 50 years ago. A couple things in the movie that were... Definitely of another time. Let's just Problematic? say that. Problematic, we'll yes. say. Um, Problematic, yes. Mm. Yeah. So we open on a crisp day in New York. <laughs> New York City. Bright lights, a hot dog vendor. Yeah, Courier Jimmy getting a hot dog. Yeah. Then delivering a telegram to the three brothers, Ned, Fred, and Red, who run the Creative Concept Systems and Procedures Brothers Unlimited. <laughs> it was a good song. It was a good song. <laughs> it was. It was, yeah. And, with, and, and of course, their dad, Gramps who just looks like Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka, let's all be honest. Yeah. And I love how they started a business. They said, oh, well, we have six balls and three hearts. <laughs> and, and during the song, while they say that, they deadpan the camera to Jimmy the puppet, who's just in silence watching. <laughs> no emotion. <sighs> the puppeteering was pretty, is pretty impressive. Like, I got to say, if you're a fan of puppeteering, you should check it out. For being 1975 or 76. The structure of the movie is actually very kind of meta and postmodern because it keeps Mm -hmm. jumping between them trying to think of ideas. So they all decide, Jimmy suggests the easiest way to make a quick buck is to make a porno. To which I was like, was that true in 1975? I guess so. Not within 24 hours, but okay, sure, Jimmy. So then it (laughs) starts cutting around between their imaginings of what they think would be a good scene for the movie and then actual scenes they're shooting for the movie. And then the behind-the-scenes production of the movie. It gets very kind of twisty and kind of complicated, really. It's puppet inception, really. Oh, and let's talk about these pitches. Oh, yeah, the pitches. Yeah. The first being... Oh, God, the first. Yeah. Jimmy, the courier. (laughs) And the thing that he thinks is the kinkiest... Like, bear in mind, he's pitching this as his top-level idea. Yeah, yeah. Is a dog performing cunnilingus and boning a woman who's about to give up on men. So, I mean, let's be frank. I got really uncomfortable with the 
thought of doggy style. It was weird. Is it, it bestiality weird. if it's puppets? I mean, and, and like when he whips out the lipstick, that was like, I was like, nah, <laughs> no, keep the when lipstick she says, inside. is this okay or something? She's <laughs> like, is this okay? And he says, what's wrong? I've had my shots. Shots. <laughs> it's a pretty good line, I got to say. Even oh, though- yeah. He has had his shots. He's attractive. And he's a purebred cocker. <laughs> cocker spaniel. Yep. He's a purebred cocker. Oh, my God. So- I had to actually end up doing research on dog penises because of this scene. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving. It really is. <laughs> Would you like me to talk about the baculum? <laughs> Shall we? So a lot of mammals- I heard, you, I heard you talk about this in the Star Wars episode about Wookiees. Yeah, actually. I talk about it in every episode. Because <laughs> I feel like for some reason, there's always some sort of animal or ape aspect where we end up talking about the baculum. So a lot of non-human primates and mammals, uh, it goes by prick. It's primates, so like that's the acronym. Primates, insectivores, chiroptera, uh, I think that's it, have uh, red, the penis green, bone. yellow, blue. Yeah, Roy G. Biv. But I thought it was interesting that they start out the gate with the dog woman scene. Like there's a lot of tamer scenes you could say later on in the film but they're really like no let's go for it oh, yeah. the first puppet sex scene is the dog yeah they're not holding any punches so let's talk about dog dicks so Shall we? male canines believe it or not they're one of the few animals that actually have locking bulbous so did you know this natalia uh, no actually alice i'm not an expert in dog dicks so please go on <laughs> so yeah, so these locking bulbous glandus, or otherwise known as the bulb or not, it's actually a spherical area of erectile tissue at the base of the penis. So during mm. copulation, and only after the dog dick is erect, and in the female vagina, does this actually get engorged with blood, and basically it helps the penis lock into the female. So there was, I guess, some science in this film of why <laughs> it was really in there. Yeah. Wow. It's also known as tying or knotting. Yeah. I've seen dogs get stuck together. Well, you're welcome. Now you know why. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, thank you. I don't know who wants to see, like, Puppet. Uh, I, I don't know who this movie was for. I really don't. But, I mean, I'm really <laughs> glad it exists. I'm really glad it exists. I just, I, I want to be in the meeting where they all sat around and thought, you know what's a really good idea? Dog puppet, like, penetration I think this is what we should be doing with our all right the, the, the money we make. We roll, we're rolling around in piles of cash from The Devil and Mrs. Jones, the seventh highest ranking movie in the box office of, of 1973. Guys, I got I got another one for you. I'm just impressed. I'm impressed that this movie exists. Guys, we're going to give a dog a bone. Yeah. <laughs> give a dog a bone. Yes. Do you think that there was a big theme of nepotism in the film? Do you think this maybe mm. was somebody's uh, nepotism project? You know, like maybe this was a little bit more autobiographic than we know. Maybe it's even more meta. Maybe it's like, you know, when movie stars appear in like kids movies and they're always like, well, you know, I want to do something for my kids. Yeah. Was it uh, the director, Gerard Damiano? Was he like, you know, I've already made these hardcore <laughs> porn movies. It's time to make something for my kids. I want to make something my kids yeah, can see. Yeah, no. Something me and the family can watch together. Exactly. The birds and the bees. Because I know that for yeah. me, like my dad just gave me a book and like when I was going to go take number two and he was like, I'll give you a quiz when you get out. You know, that was like how my dad told me about, <laughs> that's how I learned about sex was I read about it on the shitter. Oh, wow. These kids get to watch puppet lovemaking yes. to learn the, about the birds and the yeah. bees. Unfortunately, it involves bestiality. Yeah. There's nothing more romantic than a foam rubber tube being thrust into another foam rubber slot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm trying to remember when I saw this movie 20 years ago, because I was reading that they re-edited because I guess it was not a success. It was not a financial success. I have no idea why. Wait, shocking. And then, so they re-edited it into a 45-minute version, you know, for home video, which is what I remember seeing. But I don't remember what's missing because- Every scene in this movie goes on way too long. I mean, that's for sure. So I'm pretty sure they just trimmed every scene by half, including the glam rock Pinocchio number we'll get to later. That felt like it went on for 15 oh minutes. Oh, my God. That was one of the most amazing things ever put on film. That's all I'm going to say. But we'll get there. Gender bending Pinocchio. Yeah. So the second fantasy we have is Gramps being ravaged by three cougars at a massage parlor. Yes. Now, this seemed like it, would, it should have been the natural opening scene for the film. Right? I mean, in my oh, opinion, yeah. if I was re-editing it, but, you know. Now, question. What do you guys make of, there was a poster in the background while he was being ravaged, and the poster said, douche or die. <laughs> 
Uh, wasn't that in the Revolutionary War? That was the slogan for. I, was, yeah, I or, believe so. Was yeah, it Alan? Yeah, do sure die. Thomas Paine that said that. Yes, yes, I yes. Believe. That's right. Yeah, the leaflets do sure die. Yeah. So yeah. they just must have been history buffs. <laughs> the third fantasy is a nurse scene where the patient is dying, but he's so horny. This is where we got our first real look at puppet ejaculation, if I remember correct. Which, you know, I think the Happy Time Murder is only improved on after. Did you say 50? It's been almost 50 years since this movie came out. I'm probably I'm off. I'm prob- it's 40. So what's the math? No, because I'm 40 and I was born in 1979. So it's been 43 years. Oh, my God. Wow. So, you know, when people saw the first saw the trailer or saw the Happy Time Murders and they're like, I can't believe they have an ejaculating puppet. I can't believe someone filmed this. I'm just going to say there's precedent. Okay. Like yeah. we, <laughs> we were not the Neil Armstrong in the situation. I learned it from um, watching you. Yeah. <laughs> Although this film did have a much more, I will say, realistic portrayal. I assume. How many times did you shoot that ejaculation scene? Uh, in the Happy Time Murders, a lot. I think they had, and it was pretty like low key. They just had a guy off screen with a can of silly string. Oh, and they had to have like I think a lot of like fire marshals there because I think silly string is pretty flammable. <laughs> but I think they shot it a lot, and they had to build like a special rig for the thrusting, the puppet thrusting in that scene. Oh yeah, uh, the, the jizz rig. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It was like one of those <laughs> things they shake paint cans with. Oh and yeah. They had to put the puppets on it. I do like that that scene, by the way, the nurse scene, they were playing the William Tell overture. Basically, yeah. I mean, it really, I felt, I really felt the galloping, the climax, really, I don't know. There was a lot of buildup there. It it felt exciting. I I, I was there with him in the moment. Again, the music supervision in this film, top notch, top notch, A plus. Oh, yeah. And she was the head nurse. (laughs) Although I am questioning, where did she get her license? But it is better, I would guess, than having your last rites read by a priest. It's more... Pleasurable and real. It's mm-hmm. true. <laughs> and the fourth fantasy is a porno monster thriller. <laughs> oh, this is my favorite. This had to be my oh, favorite piece. It's Brian, good. You describe it. <laughs> uh, so it was basically a fish monster that would swim under the ocean and kind of sneak up on unsuspecting. It was a blowfish. It was a blowfish that would sneak up on unsuspecting swimmers and lower their bathing suits and then perform oral sex on them as some kind of monstrous activity. And God, they had a great name for it. And I didn't write it down. I don't remember what it was. You'll have to watch the name. Big Trout. <laughs> was that what they were going to call it? I, I had a hard time hearing it. I was like, is there, are they saying Big Trout? I think so. I couldn't understand what they were saying. There was some clever pun that I should have written down. Oh, well, they said stop floundering or, or no, we're floundering around as they yeah. came out of that fantasy. That was pretty, I thought that was pretty inspired. So now that they've settled on definitely committing to creating this porno, right? Gramps decides to reach out to his friend who's a director, Federico Geppetto. <laughs> 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 so Geppetto has Pinocchio tag along. Uh, Pornocchio, and, por- porno, excuse you. I'm sorry, Pornocchio. <laughs> so now we're Pornocchio. led to believe in the extended puppet universe that Geppetto, this is the same Geppetto created Pinocchio, but Geppetto is actually, so the Italian puppeteer is also, I guess, has another career of directing adult films. So it's like a puppet within a puppet movie. It's puppets creating other puppets. Because we actually watched Geppetto sewing other puppets together and them coming to life. And the singularity is what happens when artificial intelligence starts, learns how to create more artificial intelligence. So what we are witnessing is puppet singularity in that moment. Or even the whole idea of us creating the real dolls. I mean, we're trying to create our own, you know, things to fuck. Exactly. And that's literally what he's doing yes. is creating things to uh, copulate with. Get on him. <laughs> Outsource it. By the way, let's talk about the puppets that Geppetto creates because it's horrifying. Um, so <laughs> oh, at one point in time, he creates what looks like a puppet penis, which I don't have too much contention with and to kind of, I mean, it's what you would expect, although the design looks more like a face right below the gland. So it's more like a mushroom with a mouth. Okay. So you have a singing dick who is singing in like the style of like Miss America, Mm -hmm. but the puppet that Geppetto creates looks like the equivalent of um, the American dream girl, I guess is a feathered mutant ostrich monster (laughs) uh, where what I thought were boobs for the longest time, those were eyeballs and uh, the bottom half where the vagine should be was an actual mouth. Yes. 
Yeah. Whose dream is this? Whose American dream? It was kind of terrifying. This is why I feel like hallucinogenics. It's like in the movie The Fly or something, if like a woman and a plant or something like went into the fly transporter device and came out some kind of mutant like hybrid <laughs> out the other side. It's It was pretty terrifying. And But then later is yeah. involved in a, a dance number, singing and dance number uh, with Peter Erection, who plays Prick, which is the singing penis. Prick. Ironically, uh, the only scene that we cut out of the Happy Time Murders was a scene where there, uh, one of the puppets has a singing penis. And the detective character is interrogating, trying to interrogate this person, but the penis keeps interrupting singing show tunes. <laughs> and I think in the 11th hour, we were just like, you know what? It's too much. It needs to go. But it was nice to see. Keep the ejaculate. <laughs> cut the singing exactly. penis. Exactly. I love how that was the line that was crossed. It was a bridge too far. This did not test well with soccer moms. Yeah. Peter Erection's performance as Prick in this movie, though, I think is if you do need your singing penis needs, this is where you can turn. I thought it was a little stiff, honestly. <laughs> hey I want to definitely touch on Elash because we kind of skipped over the meeting of Elash, who oh, is right. uh, a camera operator that Jimmy knew back in the day. Back when Jimmy, and talk about being meta, was a key grip uh, back in the film industry. (laughs) And basically, Elash was producing these army films, and he's very big on discipline. And he's basically a dominatrix. I like how he's singing, uh, singing in the rain, I'm only happy when inflicting pain. So we know that he definitely (laughs) is the uh, BDSM of the crew. And uh, Jimmy begs him to help film this fuck film that he's making. And... uh, Eyelash is very much resistant to this until he mentions discipline. And he says, you know, call me a taxi. I'm coming. I'm going to be right there. And he uh, he does not disappoint. <laughs> I mean, he brings his cat of nine tails. He brings his ridiculously large puppet penis. I think his puppet penis was the largest in this film. Not that I was paying attention to that, but <laughs> I quite possibly noticed. The most erotic scene in there was that blowjob that he received. Uh, again, not that I was paying attention. It is. But he does make a graduate reference. Yes. Like Todd, the plastic. did mention I wrote that, that there down. Some... There was a, and before that, there was a- um, Yeah, he says, stay in the plastics. When the secretary says she wants to be involved and offers a gangbang to the, the brothers, and they're like, wait a minute, she's a man. And she looks to the camera and says, nobody's perfect. That's, of course, a reference to Some Like It Hot, the end of Some Like It Hot. And I was like, wow. Oh, yeah, you're some, right. Yeah. I'm like, there are some interesting yeah. film references. Because, yeah, they're graduate reference. And there were a couple more later that I was like, wow, this is pretty good. I, I was waiting for some sort of like Rosebud or, you know, <laughs> Citizen Kane reference. But unfortunately, alas, or Elash. But yeah, with La- Elash... And Geppetto, it's really a ragtag group of characters that they've assembled to make these movies. So because I watched the porn after watching Happy Time Murders, (laughs) (laughs) directly after, what was interesting was I know that in your film, you mentioned two puppet sex moves. You had one character mention, give someone a felty and a- A felty? (laughs) And a continental (laughs) hot sock. I I think we saw that in this film. I will say, I, I had no idea- what those are. I'd like let your imagination figure out what a continental hot sock is. But upon seeing this movie, I think we figured it out. I think so. I do. So in that montage of Geppetto making all those puppets, do you remember the one that had its, uh, who, who Dilly cut off? Oh yes. In, um, <laughs> did he, then she say, thank you, rabbi. I'm pretty sure that's what yeah. she said. And I was like, there's a rabbi in the next right, scene. Exactly. I couldn't tell if that was a beret or a yarmulke. I was a little thrown. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Now, this movie is just like a, it is. a bunch of people sitting around doing a bunch of cocaine, just being like, okay. And then and then a rabbi comes in. That's what I'm saying. This is like a fucking ketamine yeah. fever dream, honestly. Like, I'm just like, who the hell had the horse tranquilizers yeah. and the cocaine and then the, then the acid and then the mushrooms and then, yeah, more quaaludes. I mean, it was, oh, it's so good. I just, it kept giving me more. Like, I was like, almost couldn't take it. When I first suggested this to you guys, <laughs> I suggested it to you and you found that. And then I, I was like, oh, man, now I feel bad because what if this is just hot garbage? And then upon watching it, I was like, why is this not more known? Like, why aren't more people watching this? Like, this should be at the like the new Beverly on Saturday nights. I feel like that's something that, Alice, we could probably do that. Like, get I don't, where are these filmmakers? Because I think this is something that needs yeah. to be seen. It should be not necessarily required viewer for the youngsters, right. but, you know, for film school. Like, this is, or just, I feel like this would be great for PTSD. You know, they're, they're giving, you know, vets coming back, they're giving them MDMA 
fuck MDMA? This right here is, I mean, I could not stop laughing. I was befuddled, but I was also tantalized. I mean, it, it really kind of checks off all the boxes. And I think- Totally disturbed. At this point in the movie, Geppetto makes my favorite- He's talking about the movie they're making, but also talking about the movie you're watching. And he says, literally, it's filthy and disgusting and slowly paced. (laughs) (laughs) So self-referential. Because he's talking to um, the character who I will refer to as Black Girl, because that is her name. Oh, God. And he's like, they're ruining my movie. It's filthy and disgusting and slowly paced. And I was like, that's, yes, he's right. And then it gets to my favorite part of this film, which is the four-minute love song montage. Yes! The- With the found footage, <laughs> they took someone's home video yes. of going oh into a beach. Oh, like a trip to Long Island or something. <laughs> yes. and, the, and the World Trade Center's in there, which is sad. I know. Um, but it is a four-minute love song sequence that feels like it's from the begin- the middle of like the movie Love Story of Geppetto, really, the seagulls? Geppetto and Black Girl, like, wandering like on this like love affair trip mixed in with someone's home video footage of their vacation set to this really beautiful song that I thought was really good actually uh, and probably should have been nominated for an Oscar that year for best original song assuming this was an original right song but this moment of the film just remove it and put it on YouTube and it's just a beautiful thing <laughs> the guy with the great dane on the beach <laughs> <laughs> I just was like where I thought I did the ketamine. I thought I was having a fever dream. It really does transport yeah. you. It's got nothing to do with anything. Like Geppetto's no. just stressed out. And then this character just shows up out of nowhere. We don't know who she is. And she's just no. like, you need to relax. She says, uh, smile and be happy. And at this point also, let's talk about the shifting protagonists of the film. Because it's unclear as mm-hmm. to who the protagonist even is. Because now it's Geppetto's movie for a few minutes. I guess it's really an ensemble. And yeah, so we just go in this love song sequence that has nothing to do with anything. And it's just amazing. Well, you know what I thought was interesting? And I think this might be a callback to when Geppetto was making all those puppets. Remember one of them in the very beginning, I think is her because it's a darker face. She's saying, uh, she says, oh, I wouldn't be caught dead with these tits. Or in these tits. That's right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty sure he was making her. So I think quite possibly she is of his own creation. So it's like a Pygmalion situation, like a like a yeah, oh. like yeah. I I don't know, and I feel like that was almost like she all of a sudden like the student is the teacher. Wow, wow. I felt like you know like yeah, like man falling in love with his own creation. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we all fell in love with her. <laughs> yes. Her nails. Did you see her nails? And then she disappears. Right? She disappears, and you never see her forever again in the movie. Yeah, but. What's amazing is with this film, it keeps catching you off guard. Yes. So whether it's the story, whether it's the beach scenes, whether it's the <laughs> musical numbers, or even just the writing. I mean, up until this point, you have scenes such as like, just out of random, Pinocchio fucking the secretary <laughs> with his nose in her ear. <laughs> and also, I wrote this down. We're now 45 minutes into this movie. Still a human being has not appeared. No. At this point in the movie. There have been no humans, other than the first, the opening scene with the hot dog vendor. Is the first human, remind me again, I I believe it's the strip club. Yes. The British. Yeah, the British guy. Is he one of the brothers? Why is he British? (sighs) But anyway, so he goes to more of a burlesque show, really. Is he the illegitimate one? The one who ends up involved with the, the burlesque dancer. Yeah, but one remember two of them are legitimate and one of them's illegitimate? Oh, right. Yeah. Ned, Fred, and Red. But yeah, so one of them goes to this strip club, which is more like a burlesque show, I guess. And that's the first human being you see in the movie. And our first taste yeah. of like actual human nudity, which was almost unsettling at this point. I was like, whoa. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Those are real breasts. Too much. But I, I don't know about you guys, but I actually then got invested in the British puppet's relationship with this woman because he, she's nice to him because he's nice to her. And then he protects her when the the drunk at the bar like is going to attack her. And then they go home. And then I'm actually like, I, I thought there was a lot of sweetness to their relationship. I thought so too. I thought it was interesting though that it starts off with him at the bar bitching about wanting to avoid seeing genitals, nudity, smut, and he goes to a strip club. Mm. I thought that was just an interesting, poor choice on his part, but maybe that was just for playing for laughs. And I felt like there was a great resemblance to Dorothy. It was like Dorothy Hamill doing the Elaine. 
I mean, the Dorothy Hamill haircut was really strong, but then the the dance, it was very like that, you know, trying to be all groovy, sort of a, a 70s twiggy feel, but had a little bit of an Elaine feel to it. And it did. She talked like this, like she was from. Like a Popeye cartoon from the 1930s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you think that was her natural voice? I hope not. I really hope not. In the opening credits, she was listed as a guest star called, uh, her name oh. is Penny Nichols. So I don't know if she was some kind of actual famous entertainer of the day. Um, I thought she was a dime. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I can't imagine that's what she actually talked like. Um, but I did appreciate then that. In their sex scene, you think they're going to be have a sex scene, a puppet human sex scene, but instead they have this emotional moment where he reveals what he's actually into. He wants to wear her panties on his head and then have her throw grapes at him, which leads to my favorite line of the movie is when she's throwing grapes at him and she's like, is this okay? Are you okay? And he says, it's okay. They're seedless. <laughs> and I thought this was just a nice moment of these two people in this relationship having this like sexual exploration and I thought it was just really nice a really nice tender moment of the movie I also enjoyed the line when she asked uh, how are you hung and he says I'm not hung marionettes are hung I'm a hand puppet (laughs) Uh, he is the he is the voice of reason he is the most he reminds me of oh god oh Niles in Frasier he is very literal everything is literal so yeah I'm not I'm not hung that is marionettes when he left her, he said, when you talk about this, please be kind. <laughs> and then I swear the Godfather theme kicked in. And I was like, what? The roller coaster this film takes you on, Todd. Thank you. I'm going to start leaving every meeting and conversation with, I'll see you guys later. And when you talk about this, please be kind. <laughs> for, for me. Just all these... <gasps> You see, for me, though, I I truly appreciated how much they stuck to accuracy of how British people have sex and come. (laughs) I'm I'm having an arrival. (laughs) I mean, that's, I mean, look, I've always thought, and I mean, look, if you're British, you can attest to this, you know, mm, splendid, uh, indeed, scrumptious, carry on. Like, these are the things you hear during British sex. Like, you hear David Attenborough's voice. Very good, very good. I am arriving. There also was a, a fart somewhere in that scene that I was like, I don't know who farted, but one of them <laughs> did. And again, the musical choice was a weird instrumental version of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. <laughs> As she's pelting him with grace. It's like you're, we're filling out like a Mad Libs for this movie. Like, none of it makes sense. Or, Remember the remember when you play the games in um we did this in junior high to like test our creative writing skills. You would write a sentence, you'd fold it. The next person would write a sentence, they'd fold it, and then it would lead to this story, kind of like an ad libs, but it would always be so much more right. in depth. Like an exquisite corpse. Oh yeah. yes. So are we at the point in the movie now where they've actually made the movie? And it's time to distribute them. They actually have a new crisis, though. There's no ending. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Geppetto and Elash have run out. Oh, and this is when that horrible line comes up and they say, fucking foreigners. <laughs> that's when you're like, this was 1976 and I feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, there's some other F words mentioned in the movie that uh Oh, yeah, that you, that don't, don't, you do not say. That- you do it was not a different say time. It. No. The movie that they're making, by the way, I don't know if you caught the name of the movie is The Last Porno Flick which is, I guess, is an ode to the last picture show. So another highbrow film reference. Well, and I also thought Let's My Puppets Come was a reference to Moses. (laughs) Then I realized it's, I was like, oh, that's weird and biblical. But then, um, which is funny because I actually have a uh, a Noah puppet right here (laughs) that I actually put a small bowler hat on and I make him Charles Darwin. Oh, hi, guy. Um, But it's actually from a play that was on Broadway called Let My People Come. And it was apparently a highly sexually charged play. But again, like Broadway, yeah. like you're referencing Broadway. They were very, I mean, sophisticated. It must have been a very timely reference at the time. I also read the Wikipedia page for Let My People Come because it was like this really dirty Broadway musical yeah. that like won award. Like won, it won a Grammy for Best Cast Album or something. And it must have just been the hot thing of the day that now has just kind of been lost to time. I've never heard anybody mention it before, but I also don't run it. Certain circles. Yeah, these were sophisticated smut peddlers. Yeah. <laughs> you know what was also a hot thing of the day? 
using Miss Sweetfish. Use Miss Sweetfish every day and keep that smelly cunt away. I mean, that jingle, that jingle. It's skunky cunt. Uh, Yeah, so this is also, we get into this weird, like, fake commercial portion. Yeah, that's their solution. Yeah. Right? Including Al Goldstein. Oh, yes. Like, another human. A very famous pornographer, Al Goldstein, makes a cameo in a movie receiving oral sex from a puppet. And then it's like a Listerine commercial or like. It's called Lusterine. Lusterine. See, I couldn't figure out if, was it a lube, a mouthwash, a liquor? I think the answer is it's all three. She drinks it. She And in Goldstein, by the way, she, he gets head, but we never see his ween. I was very uh, disappointed. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, she says she's so oral. But then when she swigs it, I think, you know, are you going to spit it out? She swallows because she's a swallower. She's a, she's a giver. And so I just assume she's also exceptionally drunk. But she said, you know, the song goes, uh, use Lusterine when you go to bed, also when you're giving head. So, <laughs> oh, God well, bless. the kicker is also, she says, I hate the taste of Lusterine, but I use it 40 times a day. <laughs> Why do you swallow it? You don't have to do that. But going back to Sweetfish. Um, the other commercial. The other commercial. Yes. I assume that whoever this woman was, it was some big star or something, but her, I tried to write down what her name was in the opening titles, but the 1970s font it was so 1970s that I wrote down Viju Krim. Is that her name? V-I-J-U-K-R-E. I couldn't figure out what her name was because the font was so psychedelic and 70s. I think I was trying to look at that too. Yeah. Hold on. When did I? I was... But it was a choice to end the movie with these commercial parodies. Yeah. Well, let's also not forget Climax Watch. That's right. <laughs> It takes a licking and keeps on ticking, which I actually thought they were going to do something a little more clever than. Just to set this up for our audience, though, I mean, so you have a woman in stirrups who's at the doctor's office and she's had this problem for well over four years, two months. And was this a uh, human woman? Yeah, human woman. Okay, I'm trying to remember now. It all blends together. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't know where the puppets <laughs> yeah. and inhumans begin. Yeah. Which we'll get to that weird segment in a second. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but you have a puppet who's digging around in her vagina, and he's like, oh, I'm glad you came right away to the doctors, because, you know, when you have a tick, did she have a ticking down there? I mean, we don't really know what prompted her to go to the doctor, but he does pull out a timepiece. Now, for me, I appreciated the humor of uh, her saying, P.S., <laughs> my watch was a pulsar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then the fake teeth? What? Was that a choice or was that like a reference, Todd? Do you think the the teeth that she puts in? Like what I didn't what's understand. happening? You know, I don't there's there's okay. a long list of things I don't understand. Yeah, he pulls out a pair of fake teeth from her vagina yeah. and she puts it in. <laughs> I'm not a woman. I've never been to a gynecologist. I just assumed this was something that was over my head right? or just not in my wheelhouse. Was this a vagina dentata? I mean, I wonder <laughs> I wonder if you if I put fake teeth that is a great costume idea. Jesus Christ, why haven't I thought of this before? I'm going to get a pair of fake tits and there you go. I'm just vagina, t- or not fake no. tits. <laughs> I'm gonna get- I mean, I will support you regardless. For your Halloween party next year, everyone needs to come as their favorite character from Let My Puppets Come. Oh my God. And- uh, you know what? Todd, step further. For my wedding. Yes. For my wedding. Now we're cooking with gas. I need to find a man first or a puppet. Well, you'll have a rabbi. If we're going to make a list of the things I don't understand about this movie, number one with a bullet is the crowning uh, climax, if you will, of this film, which is (laughs) Pinocchio. (laughs) Pinocchio now portrayed by, was it a man or a woman? Was it a man? I don't know. In some kind of terrifying Pinocchio costume. Doing this glam rock song about, from what I could tell, was falling in love with a transsexual. Wait, let me share my screen for a second and show you guys this, this while, horrifying. While dancing with a puppet in this, oh my God, I'm so scared. It's a terrifying image. Oh my God, it's terrifying. Listeners, we will post this to our Patreon and Twitter and places. Oh my God. This so, is a and this sequence goes on feel. for four to five minutes. It's a full song. And it is absolutely amazing. And if aliens ever ask us, they need us to send like four minutes of the best representation of human society. Like we're sending them this clip. (laughs) Well, also the glam rock song was about Pornocchio falling in love with a trans woman. 
And you have a trio of disembodied labia singing backup. Uh, oh, wait, was this the uh, the fabulous cunts? Yes. The fabulous cunts. As introduced in the opening. Cunts, cunts K- with a K, K by K- the way. K-U-N-T-Z. Mm-hmm. We're keeping it classy here. Very. Also, uh, you're banned for your wedding, Natalia. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I'm going to have the best wedding ever. <laughs> I will have that rabbi uh, officiate. I want Gramps there wearing. I want him to wear the the dick headband. <laughs> oh. I thought that was a great pun. It just he had gets a dick better. Headband. Uh, yeah, it just gets better. Listeners, do me a favor. If you're not going to watch this whole movie, just please skip to. I'm going to tell you. Hold on. I'm yeah. going to find out exactly when this happens in the it's movie. Roughly an hour. Just pull it up. It happens. Oh, here we go. At one hour and four and a half minutes. Just please do yourself a favor and and watch this. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to filmmaking and the history of cinema. See, what I don't understand is they were able to somehow convince the mob boss, Mr. Big, who is a little person. Also, yes. The original Mr. Big. (laughs) Clearly. So somehow they were able to convince him to not kill them and give them an additional six months. How did they get that loan extension? (laughs) We don't know. No, we do know. Mighty Mouth. Wait, what? Wasn't the madam involved? This is where the plot got a little confusing to me. Oh, yeah. It got a little... Well, and remember Mighty Mouth? Oh, the woman the who was giving the, the... Yeah, the fluffer. The one who was giving the blowjob. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's She right. said Mighty Mouth, like Mighty Mouse, you know, which I was like, oh, nice pun. But then she starts going down on him, and I think that's where... Her, oh, and she was and then, played by the actress Connie Lingus, we learned in the opening. The fluffer. Oh, yes. Fluffer a great puppet actress. Yeah. I One of my personal faves. But yes, and then the madam comes in. Was that was that the clitoris? No, no. Clitoris Leachman was uh, the She was um, Agnes secretary. Moorhead played the that's, madam. Oh, Okay. Oh, I'm yes. still stuck on. Wait, what was the one who was the fluffer again? What's the name? Uh, she was Connie Lingus. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess you know this is also how you get loan, uh, a better interest rate or a extension on your mortgage. I mean, yeah. this is how you negotiate these things, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. But have we now reached the point where the police, like the the dancing Pinocchio scene, is raided by the police who arrest everyone for making? How unnecessary was that scene? <laughs> the bus. And I yeah. didn't know if this was now some kind of social commentary against government crackdown on pornography. It was weird because one of my favorite lines of the movie is when the cop just says, like, what is up with this social bullshit? Fucking <laughs> is fucking. <laughs> Done. Like, it was yeah. so. It was actually, like, kind of like the battle cry for the human rights yeah. movement. It's just like, fucking is fucking. Yeah. Love is love. That's the tagline of the movie. By a cop. Yeah. Like, that was, you know, but who's busting them for making blue movies. On a note of social commentary, this film has been doing it, sprinkling it throughout. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the beginning... When they were scheming up get-rich-quick schemes, while they were spitting out ideas, one of them said, well, how about real estate? And the other said, well, how about heroin? And then they said, too much government (laughs) competition. (laughs) This was in the 70s. It was, that was, I, yes, I put that in my notes and I, that was so good. It was. And then, so six months later, the movie is finished and they, just so we all know, the last porno flick has been nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Of Of course. course. And when they cut to the Oscar ceremony, the director, Gerard Damiano, in a cameo as himself, is reading the award for Best Picture. But he accidentally first opens uh, what appears to be a summons to appear before some kind of committee or or court for obscenity charges. And so I, I feel like that was some kind of super haha relevant moment social commentary at the time that was important that I just don't really understand. So in 1976, that means they were competing with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. (laughs) (laughs) Who would be the Nurse Ratchet in this film? To be clear, they beat One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. They won Best Picture. Nurse Pringle, that was the nurse's name in our film, uh, (laughs) our fantastic film, who gave one hell of a blowjob to the William Tell Orchestra to that uh, poor patient, to Nurse Ratchet. I mean, there really is no competition. It was a strong year she uh, nailed for it. Best Actress, I assume. A strong mm-hmm. race. Yeah. I do want to point out that Panic and Needle Park came out in 1991 about the heroin problem in New York City. <laughs> so this really was some great social commentary about the government's involvement in uh, drug abuse and addiction here in the great city of New York. <laughs> this film was so ahead of its time. And then, so the movie wins Best Picture at the Oscars. The brothers have been saved it made a ton of money, and then it pans across all of their awards and all of their like variety articles about how successful the film was. 
And then the movie's over. It ends, and then it just ends. Well, they do have piles. They have oh, piles nine of cash. and ten, nine million, ten million. And like Alice, you know more about pornography. I mean, you've been hosting this show for a long time. Porns don't make <laughs> money like that, or have they ever made money like that? No, it's predominantly at the time the mobs were using it to clean their cash. It was a way for them to money launder. Oh. So that's Isn't that why. ironic. <laughs> I mean, those films, you know, I'm sure like The Devil and Miss Jones and Deep Throat. I mean, I highly doubt that they gross as much as they did. I'm sure like half of it was laundered money. Wow. I didn't know that, but that makes a lot of sense. And I just like that Gramps, he wanted to blow his wad uh, quite literally at the massage parlor. <laughs> Which are, I've read today in, in 2019, the, the way that organized crime launders their money now is through massage parlors and psychics. Oh. There are a lot of psychic shops around. I don't really ever see anyone going that into them. That makes so much sense. That's so it's true. It's a cash business. Especially in the West Village. Yeah, it's a cash business that you never, I never see. I used to live in Eagle Rock and there was a, a oh. psychic shop at the end of my street. And in five years, I literally never saw one person go in or out of it. I don't know. There are also a lot of massage parlors around town. Wow. Okay. So- my brain is now blown because so aside from massage parlors being already scam artists, <laughs> now they're money launderers. Yeah, cash business that no one talks about. Wow. So Alice, what are you doing later? Wanna you know <laughs> open a a psychic massage parlor? You get a massage while reading your fortune. <laughs> yeah, or no, no. Sh- I know what you want, Shayatsu. Come here, yeah. come here. We were, you know, yeah, we, we, we know what you want. You want a felty. I hope you guys enjoyed the film as much as I did. Todd, you've given us a gift. It was a hell of a trip. What a treat. What a treat. I mean, going back, wow. I mean, like a year ago, when I first saw Night Dreams, which was also done in the 70s. I mean, Night Dreams, I thought was a trip. I mean, that basically gave you like random scenarios of people having sex, one of which was like, a woman giving a blowjob to a life-size box of cream of wheat while a piece of toast played a saxophone in the background to Old Man River. Like, I thought that was the pinnacle. Just a Tuesday. This, though. This takes the cake. Oh, wait, hold on. Guys, did you remember if there was any real joke about a hand up the puppet's butts? Well, yeah, it wasn't... Hmm. Do you think they were sitting around just snorting cocaine and someone made that joke and someone else was like, too obvious? Too obvious, guys. (laughs) That's what what I'm thinking. Let's not put a hat on a hat, all right? It's like they had a writer's room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many times have we, yeah. (laughs) Because I don't remember a fisting. Two on the nose. Were there any fisting jokes either? I don't think so. No, but Todd, they had to keep the joke in about, they had this amazing pitch about, hey, there's a guy who's going to see a witch and says that he wants his dick to touch the floor, so she cuts his legs off. <laughs> We're going to keep that in this film. Guys, that's an yeah. actual line from the film. That stays. That stays in that the picture. Stays. Or when, when they ask, what's seven plus four? Eight. <laughs> Just that's it. That's it. That's, there's no real... Yeah. Uh, See, uh, I was thinking they're like, they're going to go for the puppet humor. Like, why can't puppets have one night stands? You know, there's always strings attached. Ha ha. No. <laughs> no. Because they're not marionettes, Alice. They're not marionettes. Well, come on. <laughs> you know, it makes sense that the word Muppet is a combination of marionette and puppet. It's like how the word mobster is a combination of man and lobster. <laughs> That is good. Uh. <laughs> I don't smoke, but I kind of wanted a cigarette after watching yeah, that film. Yeah. I, I mean, I wanted like a, a lot of joints. I had to go for a run just to, I had to go calm down, you know? Yeah, right? No, I was amped. Yeah. I wasn't ready for it to be over either. Hour and 15 minutes wasn't enough. I know. When I started, I was like, wow, this is an hour and 15 I got to sit through. And by the end, I was like, I wish it was. Like, I saw The Irishman last Why? night and it was three and a half hours long. <laughs> And I kind of wish this movie was also three and a half hours long. I needed more. A lot of porns are normally about two hours long. And most of it, like 80, 70 percent, are generally the sex scenes. That, for me, was shocking that this was basically like 95 percent plot. Yeah. they The sex scenes were like, thankfully, short. Like, they knew, like, you only want to watch this for so long. <laughs> They're like, look, we, know, we got it. You only want to watch a puppet dog and a puppet woman for 45 seconds and then we're out. Here's a question. Can puppets use lube? I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, I feel like the felt is very absorbent. I think it, it would just uh, it'd be a, a moot point. If they wash off afterwards, they have to like wring themselves out though. Like they yeah. get really soaking wet and heavy. So 
It's probably a whole process. And they'd have real heavy boobs. So speaking of people who have really heavy boobs, we have patrons to thank. <laughs> oh, so this week we want to thank Dennis Holish Ike, Alec Brent, Falco Hyfing, Haxor, Ken Aubury, Samuel Jennings, Kelly Frazier, Long A. Wynn, Stephen Jones, Wendy Cornwall, Bethany Nicole, Chris D., Dale Stringham, and many, many others. And by the way, if you want to become a patron as well, hop on over to patreon.com slash twogirlsonmike or twogirlsonmike.com and hit the support button. Your support means a lot. Keeps the show running. Keeps us editing this thing. Uh, keeps the lights on, I guess, and keeps the puppet porn coming. <laughs> I want to eat food. Uh, and I think this puppet movie needs a reboot. I feel like, Todd, if anyone is able to do that, it's Todd Berger. I'm on it, you guys. I think I have the cred. I feel like... I'm going to take pitch meeting. I'm going to get in touch with the Damiano estate. Is it the same Damiano's as Damiano's? Like the Damiano's in LA? The pizza place? I'm going to say I doubt it, but I will <laughs> find out. You know what? I'm going to go there tonight and ask. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me? You speak to the owner. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to find out who owns the rights to this. Yeah. So, Todd, what are you working on next? Multiple projects in several stages of development. Uh, I'm working on a book, a novel right now that hopefully will come out soon. And then I have a kind of spy comedy that I'm writing. And we were hoping to do maybe a spiritual sequel to The Happy Time Murders, but I don't know if it financially was rewarding enough for anyone to care about such a thing. But hopefully you haven't seen the last of um, R-rated puppet movies in theaters these days. Frankly, I think you were robbed and people were wrong to nominate you for a Razzie. I, uh, yeah. What? No. You know. Rude. They have no taste. Opening weekend, I, D and I, who had been working on the project for 15 years, we went to a bunch of like theaters in LA, like in the outskirts of LA where like normal people see movies, not like <laughs> hipsters at the Arclight in Hollywood. And yeah. people really, like normal people thought it was really funny. And they, and you know, it wasn't trying to be Anything that it wasn't. Citizen Kane. Yeah, it was It was trying to be what it was, I think. And, you know, some people appreciated that and then some people didn't. But who knows? Maybe one day we'll see a return to the universe, the extended Happy Time Murders universe. That would make me so happy. I just remember when I, you first told me about it and I was, I just thought this has to get made and you were already, whatever, four or five years in. And I'm just so glad that after all that time, it did yeah. get its day. We'll see. And there will be more. We'll see. If it, maybe it's successful in the the home video streaming markets, which it's been doing very well, because now the teenage boys who couldn't see it in the theater are finally seeing it. Watch Happy Time Murders. Yeah. I mean, if there's ever a spinoff series from the Happy Time Murders, I personally think you should focus on the cow that was being ejaculated by the octopus. I think you could do a whole spinoff of that. It technically just, it was just being milked. Okay. You take your mind okay. out of the gutter. Oh, sorry. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. It was sorry. just a milking. That was utterly disgusting, <laughs> oh. Alice. <laughs> oh. Don't pelt me with grapes, even the seedless ones. And it had even a great sequel name. Shit, I didn't write it down. I wish I did. That's a weird name. <laughs> <laughs> because they were filming a sequel in the back of the porn oh, right. store of Happy Time Murders. And clearly, I mean, the sequel was never finished, but there was a part one. You know, yeah. there was that unfinished one where before the puppets were shot. And who knows, maybe someone continued the legacy of milking puppet cows. It was pretty surreal after, like, coming up with this idea for this scene set in a puppet porn shop. And then 15 years later, Dee and I went to set and they shot the whole movie in, like, these sound stages. And they were shooting in a different soundstage that day. So Dee and I like walked onto the porn set surrounded by all of these. And you could tell like the production design team had a lot of fun, like creating all of these porn boxes and things and just like standing there on set. And it was just like a super surreal moment of like, oh my God, we're actually here on the place that we've been thinking about oh, all of so this time. Cool. And then I think we even snagged a couple DVD boxes as souvenirs oh. that we probably weren't supposed to take. Yeah, you, you got to do it. Yeah. It's my movie. Damn it. I wrote this shit. So, Todd, where can uh, our listeners find more of you? If you want to find all of my stuff, including the puppet short, I, you can go to my website, todd-burger.com. Which we will link into show notes. And that's where you can find everything about me. I'm also on Twitter. I think I'm the Todd Burger on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I think that's it. That's all the social medias. And then, yeah, just uh, check out my stuff. I have other movies I've written and directed that are available. You can find all about it. My new movie, Cover Versions. It's on Hulu right now. Check it out. Mm, um, cover versions? Cover versions. Like it's, it's about a band. So it's about like like songs, cover versions. Oh, okay. Uh, mm. Yeah. And it's like a murder mystery. 
and it's super fun. So check it out. Todd also made a movie, uh, and I feel really awful because I just blanked on the name, about Los Angeles. The Scenesters? It was so good. Yeah. Okay, so Todd made this movie, and I'm I'm from Los Angeles, and I have a love of, I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with my hometown, and I felt like when I watched that movie, you did such a wonderful job encompassing that feeling of loving LA. It has a very film noir, Chinatown feel to it, so definitely check that out, too. Yeah, it's a, it's a murder mystery comedy set on the east side of Los Angeles. It's pretty fun. It captures a moment of Los Angeles hipsterdom and murder. So yeah, check it out. That's available wherever movies are available. It's called The Scenesters. And then my other movie, It's a Disaster, is also available. And just do a triple feature tonight after you watch Let My Puppets Come. (laughs) (laughs) Assuming the ketamine has worn off. Yes. Oh my God. This fever dream will never end. (laughs) If I can leave you guys with one thing. Please. When you speak of this, please be kind. And this is why we love Togberger. <laughs> oh, God. Guys, uh, you can find me, Alice, at Rachel Blonde on Twitter. And Natalia, where can our listeners find you? Wow. Uh, you can find me in a lump on my floor just recovering from this goddamn film. Um, I'm at Natalia13Reagan on Twitter and on Instagram and at Behold Natalia. Also, I forgot that Todd and I actually did a, a web thing years ago that I think we are, where we walk in on your roommate Googling himself. Yeah. So if you want to see Todd and I 11 years ago or 10 years ago. Uh, that's actually on my website. young yeah, actors. That's on my website Okay, too. good. Yeah. I forgot about that. But yeah, and uh, if you want to hear some science comedy stuff, I also host at Star Talk. So look for Natalia Reagan at Star Talk, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Star Talk. Guys, we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.